And uh, let's commit the service to the Lord. My Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity that we can be in your house today. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that each and every, you, your Holy Spirit will anoint my tongue and every hearer's ear this morning. Father, thank you that we commit this time at you. I pray that your word will accomplish what you've set it out to be and it will not return void. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are uh, at this stage in a, a series called Renew. And um, Pastor Larry gave us the acrostic for the word renew. The R represented renew, and Pastor Mandy spoke about that. The E stands for endeavor. The N, Pastor Larry spoke last week about never giving up. And today I will be speaking about the E. So if you weren't here last week, Pastor Larry spoke about never giving up, and he gave us some points. And it says, if we want to walk in renewal, we must never stop putting the word of God above everything else. Never stop pressing into the Word of God. So many times I've heard people say, Lord is not speaking to me, or I'm not hearing from Him. Well, best suggestion is go read the Word, go study it. The second one is never stop resting in our trust in God, having that peace that God is at work in that situation and circumstances. And even if you're in a victory, God is at work and then resting in that. Never forget your flesh is not saved. We always get a pull instead of this side going to the other side. So never forget your flesh is saved. And then never forget how much Jesus loves you and wants you to be a blessing. The fifth one was never forget you have an enemy. Well, there's always spiritual forces that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And number six, I think that follows deliberately after number five, is never stop being bold. Never stop declaring God's word and his promises and his faithfulness um, to yourself and your friends and your family. Then the seventh one was never stop getting close to Jesus. And number eight was never stop considering others. How would you know it's a blessing to be a blessing to someone else? Amen. So today's message, I will be speaking about the last E in Renew, and that stands for enthusiasm. Yeah, I've got the biggest one of them all. (laughs) So before we get started, just look to the person next to you and tell them they look really smart and excited. Amen. So, this morning I, want, I would like to ask you this. Are you excited about your life in Christ? Do you have enthusiasm, amen, in Jesus? Well, are you excited about His future for Him and His plans and His, uh, his, plans and his will for your life? I think one of my f- first scriptures that I started reading and studying was uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which says, I have plans for you to give you a hope and a future and to prosper you. And I stood for many years just on that one verse, believing and trusting the Lord for whatever needs to be done in my life, that, this, that His will will come through. Amen. So, I think most of you would agree with me. It's, yeah, I'm enthusiastic about my life in Christ. But, there's always a but. I still face challenges every day. And I can't seem to get behind them. And it's not in my notes, but actually on our main site, Pastor Larry shared something with the guys, and, it really, and I really want to just share that with you. And I think sometimes we battle getting a breakthrough in life because we have our, like David, we have our bears and we have our lions, and we defeated them. 
and we have our Goliaths in life. But the most amazing thing that, well, it, it really made sense to me was we get victory or partial victory in our lives over some situations and circumstances. And how would you know, after a few months, that same temptation, that same situation starts to surface again. And our pastor said, told us one thing that's so true. What did uh, David do to Goliath after he hit him with his uh, slingshot with the rock? He didn't leave him lying there. He went to him and he cut his head off. Amen. So it's important for you to, to know that when these challenges are rising, when there's, um, and when you really want to have complete victory, you need to cut that head off of Goliath. Don't let it wake up and uh, recuperate itself and come back to you. Amen. So talking about enthusiasm, a very wise friend of mine once told me, if you are battling to do something and not getting it right, you're not seeing progress, you're not seeing results, well, the chances are quite good that you're going about it the wrong way. And he told me, change your strategy. Amen. So needless to say, he proved himself to be more than right in, in more than one occasion. So that's why when it comes to a certain project or whatever you need to do, sometimes you need to think, am I going to do it myself or do I need a professional to do the job, not your wife? Um, because it might take uh, quite a long time. So um, let me ask you this. Maybe I'll get a, a support here from the male audience. Wives, don't ask your husbands to do something, especially on a Saturday afternoon, because we're busy and we're booked. I mean, so why do we get a professional? Well, it's quite easy. It's obvious. They've got the right tools for the right things to do, and they can do it sufficient, and they know what they're doing instead of your wife. So a few years ago, quite a few years ago, actually, I got a fright when I remembered how long it was, I decided to buy my wife for Mother's Day, probably in my eyes, the most perfect gift of all. Well, it was not, she didn't just get that one, there was another present as well, because I really knew she would love and enjoy this um, present. So I decided, and I must say, in those days I was still running fit, and I was ready for any action that would arise in my household. And uh, I'm, I was always up for the challenge. So I decided that year to buy a, a brand new uh, drill machine. I think it was a Bosch, a blue one. You know, because there's so many times that she would ask me to just drill a hole here. And usually it just starts with, would you mind just putting up the portrait for me there? And then uh, it starts getting uh, babies. Oh, while you've got all the tools out, wouldn't you mind just doing this for me and that for me? I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. So, um, needless to say, I don't want to actually elaborate any more uh, over this present, but if you value your life and the near future, don't buy a wife uh, a drill machine on Mother's Day or even on Valentine's Day if you thought it would help. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually laughing because... Uh, my wife had a f her favorite game while we were young was playing uh, fetch. I don't know if you guys know the story. So what she would do is she would take a pink slipper when we were at home, and then she would throw it to me. And I would go fetch it and take it back to her. And I enjoyed this game because it was 
so exciting. And then after about the fourth or the fifth time, I would realize, look, she's actually doing it a bit aggressively. I'm actually the target that she's trying to hit with that pink slipper. And uh, so after that, usually we would play my favorite game that was hide and seek. So I would go into hiding and pray that she doesn't find me. I think that was my first encounter. Amen. So let's, uh, well, praise the Lord. On January, we will be married for 21 years. So obviously I train. Amen. So the moral of the story is I changed my strategy and it worked, guys. It worked. So. For me, not having a great day every day is not because of circumstances, and it's really, it's a choice. Uh, You see, I've had the worst days in my life, but it was actually the best. It actually turned out the best, because when you're facing trials and tribulations and situations and circumstances, after a while, you start feeling that whatever, how, how much I'm pushing against for victory over this, I'm losing. I'm, for every step I'm taking forward, I'm taking three steps back. And at this stage, you need to realize, you know what? You won't be able to do it in your own strength. It's time that you start relying on Jesus and his power and his authority over that. And man, can I tell you, I want to get enthusiastic this morning. When you start um, surrendering a situation and you leave it at the feet of Jesus and and you say, Lord, you can, you will get me through this. Guys, then it's amazing to start seeing how the Lord works the situation out and the victory we have over that complete victory. Amen. So if, you're not, if you are doing something and not getting it right, change your strategy. Amen. There's no sense in getting hit by that pink slipper every now and again, guys. So, I've also found that your attitude towards obstacles has more to do than your willpower. You see, your attitude never gets tired. It's a mindset that you're in. Your willpower, however, does. We get tired. We are, we are people in the flesh. Our spirit doesn't take over sometimes. So remind yourself that it's not who you are, but whose you are in Christ. So this morning, let's make a choice. Not, no matter what's going on on the outside of the world, we know what's going on on the inside of us because we have Jesus right next to us. And we have the Holy Spirit saying, come on, my child, you can do this. I'm with you all the way. Amen. So, Matthew 5 verse 14 reads, and it's an amazing scripture, a short one, but it's so amazing. It says, your lives, your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance, for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? Amen. So, your enthusiasm has the ability to light up the world. And people with enthusiasm has this amazing energy around them that actually transforms into a, uh, this amazing passion, and it's usually just an awesome experience being uh, around people with this uh, amazing enthusiasm and uh, excitement in their lives, and it's just a, yeah, just amazing experience to be in their presence. So this morning, let's look at Revelations 1 verse 5 to 6, and I'd like to put some light on these two verses um, out of the New King James, and it reads, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So the first thing I want you to take out of the scripture is 
Jesus is a faithful witness. I actually want to say to you, Jesus is faithful, he was faithful, and he will be faithful till the end of days. The, his word says, never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. Is this, is, is this not an amazing promise for us? And I really want you to believe it in your heart today. The second uh, point I'd like to make is, says that he's the firstborn of the dead. So the Bible also speaks about Jesus as the second Adam. Everything that was lost, broken, stolen, defeated by sickness, disease, and death to sin by the first Adam in Genesis, Jesus came to restore completely. His last verse on the cross was, it is finished. It's done. I have now accomplished my Father's will. Well, for who did Jesus accomplish his Father's will? Brothers and sisters, for me and you, not for himself. Because of Jesus finishing on the cross, he is now the ruler over kings, and he has the power and authority. The fourth thing I'd like to point out is who washed us and loved us by his own blood and made us kings and priests to his father. So Jesus sees you as a king and a priest in his eyes. Amen. So in the old days, a king and a priest were the people that had the highest um, office in those days, either a king or a priest. And they had the most authority and power over that country or kingdom. The fourth thing I'd like to point out is the, king, the kingship we have gives us a high standing in the eyes of God, right? But you must believe that you are important to God. But being a king also represents power, also represents authority, and it also gives us a responsibility. Amen. So through the, the blood of Jesus, we have the power to overcome any circumstance, and you have the authority over the enemy. The second thing is the king who is a priest makes us priests as well. So you might be standing there and say, well, I'd rather be a king, I won't be a priest. So, well, sorry, you are a priest as well through the blood of Christ. So four things make up the priest, if you want it to be interesting about it. Two of them express his standing. One of them expresses his office and one um, his character. So the priestly standing is marked by consecration and free access to God. That's what we have. The power of offering sacrifice, which is acceptable to God. And purity and life of heart are the gifts Christ hands to each and every one of us. So everyone shall be his own master. And even here on earth, the Christian life is the life of Christ through the spirit, the mind, and the soul. So I want to say this to you. Jesus, is he a king? Yes. So are we. Is Jesus a priest? Yes. So are we. Is he a son of God? Yes, so are we. Is he an heir? Yes, so are we. Is he anointed? Yes, so are we. Isn't that amazing? So when was the last time you looked in the mirror and told yourself or reminded yourself, actually, that you are a king and priest? Well, I would suggest you do that after you've combed your hair because sometimes some of you might lose that kingship uh, and get a fright so this morning, can I ask you guys to just say this declaration after me, if you don't mind. 
Say, I'm a king priest by the blood of Jesus. So I pronounce good things over my life, my family, and ministry. And it will come to pass. Amen. So how should a king and a priest carry him or her in our daily walk? Romans 12, 11, 11 says, Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Keep your passion towards him, boiling hot, radiant with the glow of the Holy Spirit, and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Ephesians 4.23 out of the NLT says, Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. The NIV says, um, To be made new in the attitude of your minds. So, for me being Afrikaans, what is the definition of enthusiasm? So it's a strong excitement or feeling or energy about things. It's something inspiring, zeal or further. And it's a belief in special revelations of the Holy Spirit. So enthusiasm is a characteristic or trait that makes us stand out in an average world. Amen. So every day is filled with opportunities for helping others and shining the light of Jesus. But to be able to do this continually takes enthusiasm. So there are a few different ways we demonstrate enthusiasm. I'm not going to go through all of them, but our first one is eagerness and excited to be in your life in Christ. Luke 6.21 says, How full you become when you are consumed with hunger and desire, for you will be completely satisfied. How content you become when you weep with complete brokenness, for you will laugh with unrestrained joy. Our second one is keenness, and it says, And to love him out of and with all the heart and with all the understanding, it's out of the Amplified, with the faculty of a quick appreciation, apprehension, a quick apprehension and intelligence and keenness, of discernment, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the whole burnt, burnt offerings and sacrifices. Our third one that I love is passion. I think each and every one of us should have a, a passion and uh, that driving force to serve Christ and walk in line with His favor, His will, and our plans in our lives. So 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4 is Paul speaking here says, I'm obviously not trying to flatter you or water down my message to be popular with men, but my supreme passion is to please God. For if all I attempt to do is please people, I would not be a true servant of the Messiah. So is your supreme passion this morning to please God? And that should be our main objective in life when your feet hits the ground in the morning. Your situ uh, situations and circumstances can change daily, and we have good and bad days, but Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us on our behalf to have a good day every day. Amen. So he says, be of good cheer because he is in you is greater than he who is in this world. Our fourth one is zeal. Colossians 4 verse 12 to 31, and it says, Epaphras from whom who is also from Colossus, sending his love, loving greetings. I can tell you that he is a true servant of Christ who always labors and intercedes for you. His prayers are filled with requests to God that you may grow and mature, standing complete and perfect in the beauty of God's plan for your lives. 
Epaphras has such great zeal and passion for you, for those who are from Laodicea and Hierapolis. The fifth one, what we need for enthusiasm is dedication. Romans 12 verse verse 1 says, I appeal to you, brethren, therefore, and I beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication to your bodies, pressing all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, and even intelligent service and spiritual worship. Our sixth one is being de- devotion, being devoted to God. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by His divine power. For all that was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him, who has called us by name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. So the opposite of enthusiasm is apathy, indifference, unconcern. Luke 10, uh, 10 verse 30 out of the Amplified says, Jesus taking him up replied, A certain man was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and his clothes and belongings and beat him and went their way, unconcernedly leaving him half dead as it happens. Our fourth one is disregard. Timothy 2 verse 12 says, If we endure, we shall also reign with him. But if we deny and disown and reject him, he will also deny and disown and reject us. And the fifth one is just plain ignorance. Mark 8 verse 34, And Jesus called to him the throng with the disciples and said to him, If anyone intends to come after me, let him deny himself, forget Ignore, disown, and lose sight of himself and his own interest, and take up his cross and joining me as a disciple, and siding with my party, following me continually, actually cleavingly, steadfastly to me. So we have a few examples in the Bible of uh, people that were enthusiastic. Uh, in Nehemiah uh, 5. 6 verse 15 to 16, it speaks about Nehemiah who enthusiastically rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in only 52 days. And it says in verse 16, And it came to pass when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought for our God. The second one is the story of Caleb who was at the age of 85 uh, enthusiastically accepted the challenge to take on the giants and possess the mountain he was promised um, by, um, by God. So this scripture speaks about being part of the ten or part of the two. So what happened was um, Caleb and Joshua were the only two that really gave good reports of the promised lands. I don't know if you can remember. All the other tribes said, no, 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 we're not going in there. These guys are huge. They're going to kill us. There's fruit and there's honey, but we won't survive there for a moment. I think Caleb and Joshua, they had their focus on God and knowing them. If God has brought me all the way to the promised land, why or why not will he look after us and support us during this new season? Amen. The third one is Zacchaeus. Uh, Jesus, um, he was a tax collector. He was a very short guy. And when he heard about Jesus coming into town, 
he ran ahead of the crowd to climb into a sycamore tree and watch Jesus walk past him. Our fourth one is the Apostle Paul, following his uh, baptism, immediately preached um, the Christ in in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. The apostles, um, after being beaten and and, uh, threatened, the apostles departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name and daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And then I want to ask you this. Have you ever heard about Mordecai Hum? Anyone knows of Mordecai Hum? Okay. Hope I've got your attention. So he lived from 1877 and he graduated to heaven in 1961. He was a Baptist evangelist. And on his first year, there were more than 33,000 conversions And as a result of his ministry, more than 300 um, new converts joined Baptist churches in Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, Kentucky, and the Carolinas in a space of 30 years. So the author of the Amendment of Prohibition stated that Billy Sunday and Mordecai Hum um, nearly put out uh, the saloons out of business during Prohibition. So a close observer wrote concerning Mordecai Ham, he exalts Christ and fights sin with all his might. There is no middle ground in his campaigns. It's actually impossible to evaluate his ministry. Under his preaching, I have seen murderers saved, drunkards converted, homes reunited, and men and women dedicate their lives for special service. A 16-year-old boy was saved under Mordecai's hum preaching in a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina in November 1934. This 16-year-old boy I'm talking about was Billy Graham. Uh, Does it ring a bell? (laughs) Billy Graham. So as you know, Billy Graham is one of the greatest evangelists of his time, and Angus Buchan actually called him the general of evangelism. So at Mordecai's home's first revival, he established a pattern that would follow him for the rest of his days. Listen to this now. So he went after the biggest sinners in town and often saw them saved. He believed enough personal evangelism would produce mass results. So a typical story of him seeking out the most notorious sinner in a southern town, Ham was directed to a certain cornfield, and this specific infidel or atheist saw the feared preacher approaching and went into hiding. So the evangelist began to hunt his prey and hearing suspicious sounds under a cornstalk, hauled him out and the atheist or the uh, infidel asked Mordecai, what are you going to do with me? Well, Mordecai answered and says, I'm going to ask God to kill you. You don't believe God exists, so if there's no God, then my prayers can't hurt you. But if there is a God, you deserve to die because you're making atheists out of your children and grandchildren. And as the infidel started begging him not to pray that way, Ham said, well, very well then. I will pray and ask God to save you. So he was saved that day, and before the meeting was over, all of that infidel's family was baptized, 40 of them. Speaking about enthusiasm. So Hebrews uh, 6 verse 9 to 
12 says, Having said that, beloved, we are fully convinced that there are more beautiful and excellent things which flow from your salvation. For God, the faithful one, is not unfair, and how can he forget the works we have done for him? He remembers the love you demonstrate as you continually serve his beloved ones for the glory of his name. But we, we long to see you passionately advance until the end, and you find your hope fulfilled. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example for those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. Amen. I think our time is up. Let's uh, bow our heads as we close in prayer. My Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this amazing morning. Father, I thank you that I see lives changed through your power and your grace and your mercy. Father, you know the needs of each and every person here this morning. And I thank you that we can start declaring victory over their lives. That we can see whatever is mountain is in front of them. We are seeing it moving, Lord. Father, I thank you that you bless and keep every person this week that you would uh, guide them, lead them into your perfect will. Thank you that we can serve you with enthusiasm and declare your goodness and faithfulness over each and every person that we meet. Thank you, Jesus. My Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that it will prosper. As we go forth, I declare victory and favor over each and every person here this morning. We thank you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. And everyone would say... Amen. Thank you so much, church. Hope you have a wonderful day and week. Be blessed, take care, and we love you. Hope to see you next week again. Amen.